for the next couple of weeks, as we prepare our hearts and we look forward to Easter, we're, we're going to be talking about the why of Easter. Like, why did Easter have to happen in the first place? Why would a loving God send his son to suffer and die on a cross only to have him three days later walk out of his grave and then he's on the earth for 40 days and then he ascends back into heaven? Why was that even necessary? Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to explore that question, answer it probably several times in several different ways over the next couple of weeks. But to begin, we could, we could really begin, we could begin in the book of Genesis. There's so many places throughout the Old Testament we could begin. But today we're going to start with the story of a prophet by the name of Hosea. Hosea is, is in the Old Testament. He's a preacher. He's most likely a fairly young man. He's living a pure life. He's saving himself for marriage. He has dedicated himself to the service of the Lord. And I'm sure like most young men, he's looking forward to the time in which, you know, Mrs. Wright would come along. He would, he would find the woman of his dreams and he would marry her and he would share his life with her. And he, he's probably got hopes and dreams of having children and serving God together. And most likely, he's probably not noticed uh, some of the young ladies in the church, right? I mean, he's a prophet, but he's a human. He's a guy. He's single. He's, he's looking. He's probably noticed that, that spunky brunette that volunteers in the nursery, right? He's probably had his eye on her, and he's wondered a few times, Lord, you know, if, if she's the one that you've called to be my wife, that'd be okay with me. Kind of likes her. But maybe it's not her. Maybe it's, maybe it's that one who's, who's on the worship team, and she's real shy, but she just got such a, a sweet spirit about her, and he just, he just loves to hear her sing and loves to see her worship the Lord. And if God had chosen her, that, that'd be okay with him too. I'm sure he's prayed, and he says, he says, Lord, I know you've got the right lady for me. You've got the right girl for me that we're going to get married. We're going to spend our lives together. We're going to have beautiful kids. We're going to, we're going to serve you. God, at your perfect time, would you send the right gal into my life? And you know what? God, God hears him and God sends him someone. Let's look at Hosea chapter one and verse two. It says, when the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go, take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Hold on a minute. <laughs> uh, we just read what I think we just read. God didn't tell him to marry the spunky brunette on the nursery team. God, God did not connect him to the, to the gal on the worship team. Did, did God just really tell his prophet to marry a harlot? Yeah, he did. It's a little odd, isn't it? It's a little strange. Over the years, I've had lots of people tell me that God told them to do things, and usually it involves a mission trip to the Bahamas. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but very rarely does, does someone tell me that God ever told them to do a hard thing, 
But here in the Bible, God tells Hosea to do something extremely difficult. He says, Hosea, you're a preacher. And I'm going to use your life to preach an illustrated sermon. I want you to marry a sinful woman. And on top of that, her name is Gomer. Let me just say, I am so glad God did not call me to do this. Not only because of the heartache, but I could not stand here and roll through those vows. Hi, Dave, take you, Gomer. Like, you're going to have to change that name before we get married. But nevertheless, if your name is Gomer, I apologize. <laughs> Especially if you're a lady. But Nevertheless, Jose marries Gomer, and it wasn't long before she began to drift from her wedding vows. She, she actually goes back to her old life of harlotry, and she begins to sell herself again. And I can't help but wonder, what was it that took her back? into that lifestyle. I mean, she's married now. She's got three kids. Her husband is a prophet, but there is something within her that is so dark and so painful that she tries to medicate it with sin and with men. I've got to conclude that it, at least for a while she attempted to live a new life, but, but there was something within her that convinces her she could never truly be a changed woman. And so it, sin appears to win again in her life. And you know, friends, it's not just Hosea's wife, Gomer, who does this, but I, I often see this in the lives of people who come to Jesus. They have lived their lives a certain way for so long that it is so difficult for them to actually see themselves as new. And then Satan will use their pain and those old memories and, and he'll whisper in our ears and, and, and he'll say, you're not really new. You really haven't changed. He tells us that we're the same old people. This Christian thing, it, it's not real. Your faith isn't real. You're just being emotional. But friends, if, if we entertain those thoughts and if we agree with Satan, then pretty soon you and I will go looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, there are people listening today and Satan is trying to convince you that the change in your life isn't real. He's saying, oh, you're the, still the same old person that you used to be. And because you believe him, you started dabbling in sin again. You started flirting with sin again but this morning I want to take just a moment at the beginning of this message and remind you that whom the sun sets free is free indeed so don't you dare go back into that old life it didn't work for you before it's not going to work for you now you are different you are new and now is not the time to go back can someone say amen, amen. it's not the time to go back sanctification becoming more like Jesus it's a process stay in the process for he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Unfortunately, for a season, Gomer goes back. And, and I'm sure she's thinking it would be like it always was. She'd get out, you know, her old Rolodex, her little black book. She'd text some folks. She'd be back in business just like she was before. But something is different this time. You see, this is, this is what sin does. When you go back to it, it takes over. We'll say that again. When you go back to sin, when God has brought you out of something, but you go back to it, you don't go back to it on the same terms. It begins to take over. And, and Gomer now, she's not, she's not self-employed. She's not running the show now. She's not her own boss. But actually, she is sold into human trafficking and in her search for freedom, she's actually found herself in a worse bondage. 
At this point, Gomer's life looks hopeless. Why, why would God put such a strange, sad story in the Bible? Well, as I mentioned earlier, God has asked this prophet Hosea to live an illustrated sermon. And this story explains to us the why of Easter. There are two main characters in this story. They're, they're parallels. They, they point to something for us. One of the main characters is this loving, faithful, pursuing, forgiving preacher named Hosea. And Hosea represents God to us. The other main character is this wandering, hurting, sin-chasing harlot named Gomer. Can you guess who Gomer represents? Hands are starting to go up around the room. I'm Gomer. You're Gomer. We are the bride who often strays. We often wander. We are often unfaithful we are unloyal even the best among us we really aren't very good <laughs> that's not the end of the story you see there's <laughs> there's an issue here because Hosea not only marries Gomer out of obedience to God Hosea loves Gomer. Just like God loves us. This is the scandal of Easter. That a holy, righteous, altogether pure and lovely God would love sinful, wandering, unfaithful, unloyal people. Like us. Verse, look at Hosea 2, verse 5. It says, For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, This is what Gomer said I will go after my lovers who will give me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. But now God speaks in verse 6. He says, Therefore, behold, I, God, will hedge up your way with thorns and I will wall her in so she cannot find her path. She will chase her lovers but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them but not find them. Oh, I want you to see this morning the, the way our God works in, in this passage. Gomer says, I'm going to do what I want. 
I I don't care who my husband is. I know he's the top prophet in the land. I know he's a big time preacher, but I don't care. I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to go after the things that I think will make me happy. I'm going to chase the men who will medicate my pain. But God says, Gomer, I love you too much. So I'm going to put a hedge of thorns around your life. And every time you reach for a man who's not your husband, you're not going to get pleasure out of it. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get pain. He said, Gomer, I'm going to build walls around you like a maze. And you're going to walk around and you're going to bump into that wall. You're going to walk around and you're going to bump into that wall. You're not going to know where you're going. There's going to be closed doors all around you. Friends, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I don't know if you've ever felt like, man, I am reach- every time I reach out for pleasure, I'm getting stung. I'm getting bit. Something is happening. Every time I'm trying to go my own way, I feel like I'm in a maze. There are closed doors all around me. Can I tell you that sometimes the frustrations in our lives are God inviting us to come back to him. That's what he's doing. God was saying, Gomer, I love you too much to let you. Pursue your own happiness. I've got something better for you. Oftentimes, God frustrates our plan so he can reveal his. And then verse 7, look at this. It says, then she will say, then she will say, after everything she's been through, then she'll say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then it was better for me than now. When we run into these brick walls, when we get hedged in and it feels like nothing's working. Man, I thought this plan was going to work, but it's not. It's not working. I thought this relationship was going to work, but it's not working. I thought this job was going to work, but it's not working. Sometimes it's an invitation from our God inviting us to return to him. And then verse 14, therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. Now God says he's going to bring Gomer into a wilderness place. A a wilderness place is normally a place of judgment. But then he adds this. He said, I will speak comfort to her. That phrase literally means I will speak to her heart. Now here's the question. What, What does he speak? I mean, think about it. God has every right to bring Gomer into a place of judgment and pronounce judgment upon her. She sinned. There is, I mean, she has sinned over and over again. She's had 20 chances. Who knows how many? God, God's got her right now where he wants her. He can, he, can, he can label her. He can pronounce this judgment over her. And forever she's going to be known as a harlot. But instead, God says, when I get her to that wilderness place, I'm going to speak comfort to her heart. And look what he says in verse 15. And I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor as a door of hope. What? God, you had her right where you wanted her. She deserves judgment. Lord, you, right then you should just come down hard on her. I mean... You missed your chance to say, once a harlot, always a harlot. Right? That's what we do in our world. Once a liar, always a liar. Once an addict, always an addict. Once a drunk, always a drunk. Once a cheater, always a cheater. That's what the world does. And it would have been so easy for God to do that. All, I remember what he's doing. He's using this marriage 
to show us our unfaithfulness and he would have been totally justified to pass his final judgment on her. But instead, God says, in the valley of her trouble, I will give her a door of hope. I am so thankful this morning that God does not give us what we deserve, but even in the valley of our own trouble, self-made trouble, he throws open a door of hope to us. And then he continues, he's not done. He continues and says, she shall sing there. She shall sing there. As in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. God says, I'm going to restore a song to her like she would have sang in her youth. Meaning before she found herself in a place of sin. Before she found herself in a place of hopelessness. God said, I'm going to put a song back in her heart. And this morning, some Some of us have lost our song, but I want you to know that God wants to give you back your song. God wants to give you back your joy. God wants to give you back his presence on the inside. He wants to restore your voice. I don't know where you're at in life this morning. What's going on in your heart, your marriage, your finances, your health, your kids, your retirement, your job. I don't know. All of us have places that are eligible for pain. But I pray today that as we turn to the God of hope, he will give us back our song. What is he talking about? He's saying, I'm going to take this woman who's been used and abused. And I'm going to do a work of restoration on the inside of her. Easter. Pastor, you said Easter. You said this story points to Easter. It does. It does. You see, Gomer strays. She pursues sin. But then God pursues her and he takes her into this wilderness moment and he speaks hope to her heart. But now I want you to see what he does in in, in what happens in in chapter 3. Look at Hosea 3 and verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, to Hosea now, he's talking to the preacher, go again. Love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. God says to Hosea, you know what he says? Go get her. But Lord, she's sinful. I know. Go get her. But Lord, she's done this over and over again. I know. Go get her. God, you don't even know where she's at right now. God says, I know exactly where she's at. I want you, son, to go get her. You know where she is? (laughs) She's being trafficked. She's in the worst part of town. It's messy, it's ugly. It's painful. It's dangerous. She's basically on an auction block. And vile, evil men are placing bids on her services and on her life. And God says, I want you to go there, preacher. And I want you to get her. Verse 2. This is what Hosea says. So I bought her for myself. For 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days and you shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too, I will be toward you. He's saying, Hosea, I, I'm going to buy you back. I'm going to redeem you. But, and, and you're, you're going to be mine and I'm going to be yours. Can, can you imagine this scene? As evil men are bidding on his wife. 
Hosea walks into the part of town he doesn't live in. He's, he, he doesn't belong there. He's the, he's the preacher. He's the prophet of God. He doesn't hang out in this part of town. And he's got he's to stroll through this town. And he sees his wife in probably a really, really bad condition. And, and, and probably beaten and bruised. And, and, and just and men just around her. Just placing bids and placing bids. And, and, and she doesn't have much value to anyone else. Because she's just like any other woman there who's being auctioned off but all of a sudden there is a voice that rises from the crowd that says I want her I'll, I'll buy her I'll, I'll pay the highest price church she was already his <laughs> do you get that but she sold herself into sin and so now Preacher man comes and he buys her back. This is not just a story about a preacher and an unfaithful wife. This is a story about God and his bride, the church, us. This story is a picture of Easter. God has loved us, but so many times we have sold ourselves into sin. We have created our own bondage, and then sin has allowed Satan to be our owner or our taskmaster. And just as the world looked totally hopeless, God throws open a door of hope in the wilderness, and he looked at Jesus Christ, his son, and said, Go get her! Go get her. Go get her. Go get him. Go get him. Go get him. Buy them back. And Jesus did not show up with some silver, but he showed up with his own blood and he went to the cross and he redeemed. He bought back the people who already belonged to him, but he was willing to pay that price for you and I. God said, go get him. Buy him back. Redeem our people. I'll take her. I'll take him. You see, on Good Friday, Jesus died. But on Easter Sunday, death died. And today, if you and I are living in Christ, we have been raised to newness of life. Therefore, we are to walk in it. Not to flirt with sin, not to go back to our old lifestyle, but to cling to Jesus and walk with Him. Last scripture, Hosea 6, in verse 1. Come and let us return to the Lord, for He has torn, but He will heal us. He has stricken and He will bind us up. And now look at this shadowy prophecy, Old Testament.